Welcome to episode 9090. Uh, it's going to be a little bit out of order. I, I did that earlier in the uh, low 80s as well. Uh, so I have a few episodes I'm going to release. I'm very excited for you guys to check out. But I wanted to get this one out a little bit sooner because knees over toes is a growing phenomenon that I really am fascinated by. I think there's a lot to learn based on uh, the things that we're seeing positive come out of it and some of the, the criticisms. Uh, I think it's worth exploring. I get a lot of questions in my frequently asked questions about this concept. How can we utilize it? How can we make it better? How can we, uh, should we just give, give in and trust it? You know, all, all these kind of concepts. So I'm fascinated uh, by the whole concept. I'm really excited for you guys to check out this episode with Coach Spence Kemp, who uh, has been toying around with the knees over toes concept. It sounds like when you when you listen to him talk about it, he's he's got his uh, hesitations about it as well. And uh, that that's where I love having these conversations. That's why I love having this episode, these podcasts, uh, to to be able to hopefully engage in deeper conversation and move the needle forward. Uh, I've been practicing since uh, 2008 when I got my doctorate, but I've been in the field even longer than that, so it's been a while. And I always love pushing the envelope, learning more. A lot of the stuff Knees Over Toes talks about is stuff I uh, engage in myself. I, I participate, I do it on my own body. Uh, a lot of sled pulls, one of their biggest uh, pieces. So I'm excited for you guys to check this out. If you've tried the Knees Over Toes concept, would love to hear your uh, experience with that. If not, uh, let's let's have some conversations about it. Either way, uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a rating, review wherever you listen to this. And without further ado, get 1% better. Let's dive into it. It is all, there it is. We are live. Hello. Coming to you from my garage. Number 90 of Bono Stuff. Oh, it's backwards. I can't. There, 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 there it is. Bono Stuff. I'm joined by Spence Kemp. No relation to Sean Kemp of glorious 1990s Seattle Sonics. Supersonics. That was the man, dude. He was, he was the ultimate dunker. Yes. Um, no relation, though. I have a cousin named Sean, but it's <laughs> not the uh, And so we are joined here in Superior, Colorado. Uh, Spence and I connected at Flatirons CrossFit, formerly CrossFit Undeniable. He's a coach there. I'm going to let Spence introduce who he is and tell the people. Uh, what's up? I've uh, been coaching CrossFit for a long time. Uh, I like it a lot. I've uh, recently been experimenting more in the Olympic weightlifting realm, uh, but still have lots of love for CrossFit. And uh, I've also recently run through the Knees Over Toes program. Um, That's what we're here to talk about. Exactly. Um, yeah, so. I don't know. I hate talking about myself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't have all the pressure on you. That's all right. Uh, how many years have you been in the, in the kind of fitness space? Ooh, fitness, we figured out the other day, was 16 years. Nice, nice. 2017, yeah. Welcome, congrats, almost almost two decades. Um, I kind of counted from like high school football for me, and, and so, I mean, I, around 2000 is when I uh, realized I wanted to be not just an athlete, but, but in the space, so I interned with a chiropractor, I interned with an orthopedic surgeon, all these things, so I counted from then. I don't know if that's fair, but... When I was an undergrad, I also, you know, would train uh, other classmates and things like that. So again, I think that counts as being in the in the industry to some yeah. extent. Uh, let's we'll put an asterisk next to that sixteen years to you because some of that was uh, like training family friends. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. that's how you get your your, yeah. your toes wet, so to speak, <laughs> and everything. But we're here to talk about knees over toes, guys. So if you guys are checking in, 
have you heard of this program? Chat in the comments, leave a comment, whatever. Uh, if you had experience with this, I love getting more data uh, on my other podcast, the Demand Better podcast. We're talking about the concepts of science and research and how that is kind of a getting completely uh, bastardized these days. But we're trying to make it all about the, the highest level that we can have these conversations on in this day and age of misinformation, of headline grabbing things. So knees over toes, though. Um, you want to talk about how you got introduced to that? Where, where, what was your experience with sure. it? Um, so honestly, I, uh, I, have, I had a knee surgery about three years ago. Uh, it was fairly aggressive. It was removing a bone spur that had been fractured off and embedded into the patellar tendon and um, went through my physical therapy uh, for about 12 weeks. Um, and shortly thereafter, competed in my first Olympic weightlifting competition. Um, and then shortly thereafter, realized I had a lot more to go mm. in terms of correcting the imbalances mm. still remaining from that surgery and, uh, and the, the kind of damage and atrophy that took place in my right leg. Yeah. And, so, uh, uh, can I, if I can, uh, I assumed the physical therapist, and it was probably through insurance. It was not. It was not through insurance. It was cash based. Uh, it was. Through the VA. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe that is insurance. Actually. Uh, through the VA, sure. Yeah, so that's a very different medical system that sure. we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, but but just the point of physical therapy tends to not take you from uh, your you know twelve weeks of rehab post-op into what are you actually going to be doing? We have a barbell. We're going to load you with a barbell and like let's at least get you with forty-five pounds or yeah. or like your your max is three hundred. Let's get you at one thirty-five just to see how that looks and feels. Yeah before we send you out into the world and discharge you. Discharge in most physical therapy, I just want to always kind of bring it back to these pieces because this is a running theme in, in my episodes, is uh, unfortunately physical therapy tends to have a huge gap between you know, being able to do some rubber bands, maybe being able to do some, some jumping, landing kind of stuff, um, and then going to do an Olympic lifting meet uh, where you're probably going from you know, maybe some, some black bands maybe you got to do, um, and, and physical therapy, which has a certain amount of load to it and difficulty, but going from that to trying to clean and jerk 300 pounds is a huge leap. And, and again, if you didn't have those conversations, I think that's important to come back to the fact that uh, it's, just, it's just a warning to the general public. So if you're listening, uh, be aware there's a huge gap between physical therapy and most performance. And that's Absolutely. where guys like me and Spence come in. So come back to it. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, so if I wanted to deep dive into that a little bit more, the, the 12 weeks of the physical therapy was 12 weeks in a fixed brace, basically, more or less just doing quad extensions. And, uh, and then once the fixed brace was removed, uh, I had, I was fortunate enough to be working at a CrossFit gym that had an in-house physical therapist. And so the physical therapy that I got from my surgeon was a little bit different than the stuff that I got from the in-house guy who also was a lifter. Mm. Um, now, I also should say that my surgeon gave me pretty good stuff and I felt pretty prepared to handle what I wanted to do when I was done with the official 12 weeks of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then absolutely, I, I did do a considerable amount of very specific training to rehab and strengthen and kind of reduce imbalances and, and get back to that, those kind of heavier loadings on the barbell. Uh, so yeah, massive gap between those yeah, two. Yeah. Um, and it and it was a hard fought battle. It took a yeah. long time. Yeah. And and uh, do you want can you and or do you want to share what led to you getting that surgery? Like what was the sure? Uh, I was in the military for uh, a little bit when I was younger, and um, 
I did a lot of heavy rucking and lots of running, and this was long before I knew anything about <laughs> proper fitness protocols. Mm -hmm. So I, I have this very specific test that I needed to complete to, to enter a specific unit that I wanted to join. And uh, the test was run six miles, swim 4,000 meters. There's a lot of push-ups and pull-ups somewhere in there too. And so I was just, in my 18-year-old brain, I'm gonna do this test every single day until I'm good at it. Yeah. And uh, not, not a good plan, don't yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> uh, so I got real fast. Yeah. Um, and I got pretty good swimming, but I also ended up developing a bone spur. And, uh, and then, you know, years later, through lots and lots and lots of heavy lifting over time, I ended up actually fracturing that mm. bone spur uh, on a squat, which was very scary because it was a lightweight. I was yeah, yeah. up and I uh, stood it up and just instantly didn't know what happened. I didn't feel pain in my knee, but I right. went cold and I like, I got white in my face and my training partner at the time looked at me, she was like, bro, you need to sit down. <laughs> uh, and so I fractured the bone spur through training, but like the training that I was doing that broke it was not what caused it. Right. Right. Like it was right. the years of yeah, it's the straw that broke the yeah. camel's back. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. So definitely, um, very interesting and, and thank you for sharing that. And yeah. yeah, just, just a real quick, again, uh, thing from my perspective is something very big takeaway for folks is most injuries happen when, when load exceeds capacity, he's talking about, he's trying to build capacity with, again, at that time, not truly understanding, like there's ways to progressively overload and rest and recover and all these things. But yeah, the other aspect to that is, is um, too much, too soon, too fast. And, and again, it was just like, I'm just going to keep going until I either become Superman or I break, which we know what more often than not happens. I like to think I did both. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the history of, of a little bit of your own injury. So yeah, tell us, so you had the knee surgery, that was two years ago, you said? It was about two, two and a half yeah, years. Yeah, so, and then how does that bring us to, to knees over toes concept? Sure. Um, so, I mean, I've been in the fitness industry for a while, and most of the things that I have my personal training clients do is things that I've done myself. And I was very curious about this. Obviously, we both know that the, uh, the knees over toes guy is spreading through the internet like wildfire. And it's just very popular, and I was just curious. And I, I watched a lot of his YouTube content, and then I, uh, I felt like I didn't understand it based off of watching the YouTube content mm -hmm. alone. So I bought the program, Okay, I ran through it for a few months, and, uh, and then just kind of evolved my understanding of it there. Um, since then, I've deep dived into more of where he learned his information. Mm. So he's learned it from uh, an individual named Keegan Smith, who learned it from uh, an individual named Charles Poliquin, who mm. you probably know about. Yep. Um, and he, uh, so that's where his knowledge base comes from. Um, so Knees Over Toes guy, I think, is definitely the most popular guy who's running this, but I don't think that he's the one who came up with it. Although he did, <clears throat> I think he's done a lot to evolve it into what it is now. Right. Um, and I think he did a lot of his own personal experimentation to get there, but now I think he's part of this thing called the Athletic Truth Group, the ATG, mm -hmm. and that's where that name, the ATG Split Squad, if you, anyone's seen the program probably knows that name. Um, I think in the fitness industry, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Sure, sure. Uh, it's Astagrass is probably the acronym most people associate with ATG, but uh, it's it's Athletic Truth Group, and so him. Literally every time I see it online, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Astagrass? It's Astagrass, yeah. And I'm like, sure. oh no, it's Athletic Truth Group, yeah. But then the irony there is that like what they are teaching is full range of motion, which is Astagrass, so it's like it's kind of got like this dual meaning. Um, but yeah, so like I, I started learning more about 
Keegan Smith. I started deep diving into his YouTube channel, which I would say is significantly more informative than the knees over toes guy. Uh, as far as like someone coming from like a clinical background. Right. Like and, and again, I'll, I'll jump in real quick sure. and say, uh, I was actually just listening to some before we came live. I mean, he's doing like 45 minute lectures talking about how tendon heals, responds, all these things, the physiology. He's doing like more college level lectures right. about the physiology, his understanding of it. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into what his background is, his training, other than you mentioned he's yeah. worked with Poliquin. Poliquin, Charles Poliquin is one of the top leaders in the fitness space. I think he recently passed away, yeah. unfortunately. But uh, yeah, he's known as one of the, the kind of maybe uh, OG's grandfathers, especially uh, when, when the internet grew. Uh, and, and more information was getting spread. Paul, Charles Pulliquin was definitely one of the biggest like names. Dan John, um, you know, Mike Boyle, Eric Cressy, some of these big names you hear about. Uh, Charles Pulliquin was definitely one of those thought leaders in that space. Whether you agree with him or not, he definitely was in the lab doing a lot of that work. So, yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. Uh, it's something worth thinking about. So, but back to um, the, the, the mentor. Um, that, so, that's what he's doing. And, and I'll just want to I'll, I'll, uh, kind of summarize what. Uh, ben Patrick, who is the face of the knees over toes guy, he is the knees over toes guy. He's had seven knee surgeries. He had a college uh, or, or basketball career. He wanted. He was really passionate about uh, playing basketball. Seven knee surgeries, uh, and he talked about that story. Every all the people were like, "Hey, your career's done. You're never gonna play basketball again." And he was kind of like, "There's got to be another way." I don't know if that's when he found uh, this guy. I'm not sure. The time I think I think that's something like that. But he figured out, however he figured it out, that I'm going to do these sled pulls. I'm going to train the tibialis muscles, the, the ones on the front of your shin. Mm -hmm. I think he started doing that is his claim. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, he was able to rehab himself. He said when he was playing college sports, uh, and, and he had a scholarship, and they didn't. He, if you want to check out a little more of his story, he was recently on Joe Rogan podcast experience. Uh, he's been on a bunch of stuff with Ben Greenfield. Uh, podcast, Mark Smelly Bell's podcast. So I've tried to absorb a lot of this information. And again, from my perspective, I'm like, there's, if there's something good to learn here, I want to learn. Uh, and again, he's coming in and, and definitely kind of, uh, you know, talking, talking a lot of different stuff. And it's, it's exciting. Um, and, and a lot of the claims he's making are not necessarily evidence-based. And some of them don't necessarily make sense. And some of them are go straight up against some of the uh, elements of, especially from the physical therapy, more traditional rehab space, uh, they go against uh, the way we would talk about that. One example I'm going to give real quick is uh, when they when they do the side bends, right? That's something that like is not very, in, in my opinion, in, in most uh, evidence-based practice, is not very safe to just introduce and and do, especially when we load it. Um, and it's a, it's it's not necessarily a huge part of their program, um, from from what I understand, but it is enough of a part and if you check out their their channel like they're doing it at least once or twice a week and again i think there's safer ways to train those same muscle groups and i think that doing that it becomes more risky for anyone who's not super healthy and fit um and and again ben patrick is and this is my one of my big criticisms again is uh he's a good looking dude he's had a success story he's in every picture without a shirt and by the way he could put a shirt on like there's no reason i don't just, just put a shirt on no um Rip him off. <laughs> Let's go. He's in, he's in Southern California, and, and he's, he's he, you know, he has, never has a shirt on. He's a good-looking dude. Uh, he's dunking basketballs and every freaking thing, and, and I think that's the disconnect and the thing where I'm like, is there is there something here? 
And can we look at the substance? And again, there's the, the reality I was talking about, again, the series we're doing about research misinformation. And there is, a, there is and there is, there's a reason he's grown so fast is because of the sex appeal. You know, another very popular uh, rehab movement uh, kind of uh, group is the Move You, Move University, and they pretty much have a naked person uh, in every <laughs> single photo. Like they have, um, I don't know if I can even do it, they like have, you know, crotch, the crotch shot, like. That guy likes to cross dress a lot too. He, there's a lot of, I mean, if you go on their I'm channel. I'm not saying I hate it, I just, I'm just saying he likes it. <laughs> so, I mean, look, at the end of the day, sex sells, it, they, things work. So it, back to the knees over toes guy again, like uh, it, it, very good looking people doing their program. And it, again, it, it becomes conflated of like, this guy looks really good. I want to look really good. He's got his shirt off. He's in the sunshine. He's dunking a basketball. I want to do those things. Sure. So, like, I'm going to do this program. And, again, I don't blame any of that. <laughs> it's very good marketing. So, coming back to you and my and calming down my uh, craziness. <laughs> no, is, is it up. Let's go. <laughs> so, so, yeah, tell me more about uh, – so, you, you've been experimenting and, and trying out yeah. their – methods um from within yeah. if you will yeah i experimented the program that he has people do which there's several different options by the way there's like the dense strength there's the um i believe it's called essentials is their most popular one now uh during the pandemic when people were working out at home uh, maybe even still working out at home the most popular version of his program was the zero program implying that there is zero equipment needed mm. um so that obviously boosted his popularity quite a bit because there's so many people that wanted to stay fit and didn't have any gear. Um, so my experimenting uh, was through myself primarily at first. And then once I felt like I understood most of the movements, uh, then I maybe started, well not maybe, I definitely started incorporating that into some of my own personal training clients. And I wanted to get their feedback about uh, what they thought um, now, one thing that I feel like is important to mention, and I think that you're going to like what I have to say about this, is that um, I feel like there's a very large scope of practice disconnect mm. going on here. Yeah. And um, and I think that there's there's some dangerous implications. Yeah. Um, but I also think that there's middle ground for, for everyone to kind of get right. what they need out of this. So I think that one of the things that I love about the program, especially the Zero, is that it's very scalable mm. and that's one of the things that i love about crossfit so as a crossfit coach we are taught to scale things according to the member of our clients individual needs and so like you i could probably have you do bar muscle ups in the same workout that a 80 year old person might need to do some ring runs right and it's the same stimulus uh same essential muscle groups well maybe not the muscle right but, you know right right um <clears throat> and, and i'll and, just give Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit Credit, despite his controversiality, we're going to put that to the side for a second. Um, but but he's, I think, uh, I'll give him credit for this statement of uh, the, the demands, the physical demands of an 80-year-old grandmother and a gold medal Olympic athlete are the same. They just change in scale. So exactly to what Spence is talking about here, of, of uh, it, it, it is, we all move the same way. My assessment of, again, the gold medal Olympic athlete and grandma is going to be pretty much the same. I'm just going to say like, where are you on this journey on this uh, path? And we can, we can figure out where you are on that. Again, whether you're doing bar ring muscle ups or you're just doing some kind of pulling motion, you need to have and activate the same kind of muscles. And we all have the same posture. Yeah. We all have the same joints more or less. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a fun way to look at the body. It, 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 it can be really simple, but again, then we get into these nuances of like, yeah, is this concept, 
uh, safe? Is it effective? Are, are, and that's where we, you know, I wanted to have this conversation. I kind of want to take the opportunity to, to give some of the grandmas out there credit because <laughs> I've seen a lot of grandmas outperform mm. some 20 year old guys. So yeah. like, I always feel like that's always the comparison. It's all yeah. like the Olympic medalist right. and your grandma. Right. Like, well, why don't we ever say grandpa? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, grandmas out there can be very fit too. Right? I just I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> For sure. I've seen some grandmas that can torch me in a 5K big time. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, uh, yeah, so scalability. And, and I do think that there is a large element of scalability to his program that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. Mm. Um, but I do, I've seen it on his YouTube channel, so it's not like it's not there either. Um, but you know, as a physical therapist, I'm sure you are concerned that, uh, you know, people are going to start throwing this program at their knees because, oh, my knees are fucked up. I'm going to go run this knees over toes guy program and fix everything. And I mean, just real quick, that's one of the reasons it it, it grew on my uh, scope of of what I'm looking at online is a number of people came to me and they were like, Hey, I tried this thing and my knee got worse. Yeah. And like, can you help me understand why that got worse and what to take away from it? Another person I used to do CrossFit with back in New York, what up, Cleo? Um, <laughs> said he 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 had some um, some good things that happened and some bad things that happened. Same questions like, where can I learn from this? What can we take out of that equation? And I'm saying, yeah, let's let someone like Spence who's been experimenting with this these concepts. Where can we learn? Because and again, I'm gonna I call I did a little video. I called out Ben Patrick. Uh, and, and knees over toes guy group, uh, athletic truth, ask to grass group. Um, and I do think it should just be ask to grass, which is what they're, they're preaching anyway, right? Um, but I, shortly after I made that video, I did hurt my own knee uh, skiing. And now I, I think I tweaked my MCL pretty good and got a few weeks to recover. So maybe I shouldn't be doing this video. Maybe the universe is like, leave them alone. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And again, I, I just saw Kelly Starrett, who's one of my favorite physical therapists and and he's collaborating with him on a few different podcasts and concepts. And I think there's, again, my, my only reason for doing this is to hopefully have the conversation, explore, and, and see what we can learn from it. And again, uh, one of my other criticisms of the whole thing, and I think he stopped doing it uh, early on when I started following him, and he probably had well well under a million, maybe at half a million followers at that point, was uh, we've had 2,332 success stories of people getting out of knee pain. And again, I have already, you know, spoken to a few people who have not had success with this program. So, you know, where, where's that like transparency? And he talks about a good game, athletic truth group. We're talking about truth and, and the fact that like, yeah, these things are probably good and it's worth having these conversations. I love this sled. And again, if nothing else, they've done more for, for putting sleds into the space and, and breaking a lot of treadmills because they tell you to turn the treadmill off and walk backwards uphill on the treadmill to get that resistance and again it's a fabulous exercise it's something i've been doing uh thanks to one of my mentors from physical therapy in one of my very first jobs back in 2008 in new york city we would have people pushing that treadmill at the risk of the treadmill uh, because it is a fabulous exercise so uh and, and again if you listen to ben patrick he talks about the fact that a lot of the things he's talking about are going to be in the textbooks in 10 15 years and science is slow but my question is like, yeah, if you really want to do that and you want to push it, uh, let's have some some at least uh, relatively loosey goosey trials that aren't IRB and full on randomized control trials. But let's have Spence do tibialis raises, and let's have someone, let's have me not do them and do a different version of training um, and focus on calf raises, which they don't, you know, they, they don't talk as much about. But uh, I do a lot of calf raises. 
Yeah. Okay, so they're doing both. Yes. Okay. Yep. But the, but the point, I guess, sorry, yes, I misspoke. Um, but let, whatever the other exercise would be, um, and, and, and again, I'm going to double down on the fact that I'm going to finish my rambling here, is I like that they are challenging the, the narrative. I like that. Again, I think there is a little bit of scope of practice and transparency yes. that is missing and, and needs to be touched on. I would say um, yeah, the transparency is big because I think that it's not really talked about in their marketing, which is probably wise for marketing. Right. Um, I don't blame them. Right. <laughs> I would be surprised if yeah. they ever did come out and be like, hey, here's all the people who failed and, and needed right. to get surgery. Right. And, like, it's not a good look. Yeah. I do think that, uh, like, there's a responsible way to use this program that he's come up with, and there's an irresponsible way to do it. And I think it all comes down to the individual that's running it, the individuals that are learning it and exposing other people to it. And, um, and I think it's like, it's the responsibility of folks like you who are extremely well educated and have lots of experience to, to ask these questions and, and to make sure that it's understood that like, Hey, like, you know, CrossFit is really good if you want to become Batman. Like that's probably <laughs> one of the better ways to go about doing it. It's probably not just bodybuilding, right? But um, and there's many ways CrossFit gets done wrong. If we're gonna, and yeah. there's plenty of criticisms of CrossFit. Exactly, and that's that's the other thing I was gonna say is that like there's there's a lot of ways to do CrossFit. And there's a really good way to do it. And there's a really poor way to do it. Yeah. And I've seen both. Um, I think that it's important to disclose that like. <clears throat> If I have an ACL injury, I'm not going to try to go run this program because I should probably go see a surgeon. I should probably get some MRIs done. I should probably talk to a physical therapist and see if I'm even allowed to do that because there are so many different complex reasons for why that could have even happened in the first place, right. the complications that are there because of it. Um, but I do think that there's a lot, uh, I would give a lot of credit to the scalability of this program because I do think that they do discuss many different options for how to, to scale the range of motion. Mm -hmm. They do discuss you know, going to places that are pain free. I don't recall seeing any kind of disclaimer that was like, hey, you should consult a physician before you do this, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't remember seeing it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't <laughs> there, because I also have like, you know, a pretty hyperactive brain. I, right. I like to skip stuff, yeah. uh, I like the shiny things. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that it can be done really well. Um, I think that it's also not for everyone. Right. Um, and, I, and I think you can say the same thing about CrossFit. You sure. can say the same thing about Olympic lifting or bodybuilding or right. any of those. Um, so I think it's important to, I think I would love, to, this is what I would have loved to see out of this program. So one of the things that I think is a little bit of an issue is that a lot of it's done as an online coaching program through the app True Coach, which is a good app. But I um, Yeah, it's a great app. Um, but one of the, the, the maybe downfalls to that is that you have to do the program and then they want you to submit your final set of each exercise uh, so that they can see it. Mm -hmm. And that's great, but what if you hurt yourself on the first set? Right. So um, I think there's, there's, you know, it's a miss there and it's like you're limited by technology, you're limited by working over the internet, but maybe right. that's a reason why you maybe shouldn't do it over the internet. Maybe you should consult well, they, a coach to do that. Well, they're a big, they're a big organization company. I mean, I'm a one-on-one -on -one coach. I use True Coach. I have, you know, probably a lot less clients than this company that, you know, uh, right. ATG yeah. or whatever the exact name of the company is. So, um, so, and I think that, yeah, they spend a lot of time looking at videos, critiquing videos, but if they're not communicating on every single set, if they're just like, okay, you yeah. seems like you're doing the thing right. right next, you know, it's like Tinder, you're swiping whichever yeah. way I, I, I haven't used Tinder in a very long time. So I don't know which way you're swiping anymore, but anyway, um, 
and and the other thing I want to I want to come back to real quick is 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 the fact that again philosophically I 100% agree with the fact that we should be training through a full range of motion like all the way full extension full flexion whatever the joint can do you should be as strong as possible through as big of a range of motion as possible which is very much what they are talking about. Absolutely. Um, they talk a lot about short range strength and long range strength mm -hmm. and the differences between them. They have different exercises to do each one. So like this, the sled is very much short range. You're right. not like fully flexing your knee every time you step unless, unless you do that and then you're a very diligent athlete. Um, <laughs> but I don't think anyone's doing that. And uh, yeah. I don't even know if that's possible. I might need to try to experiment with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like they're doing lots of short range stuff. Um, you know, they, they're a big proponent for the Nordic hamstring curl, yep. which is very much like the fullest possible length you can get out of that hamstring. Right. And uh, also the reverse of that, that you're doing the same on the quads. Exactly. Yeah. So and, and, and again, I'll give them credit. Like you said, I, I actually didn't even, I had, I haven't seen a lot of calf raise focus, but it makes sense. And I'm not surprised they that they do. Multiple different kinds. They do straight legged. Yes. One, I forget what their terms for it, but what I've been using with my clients is a, an open knee calf raise and then a bent knee calf raise. Well, the, um, once you bend the knee, you're now uh, targeting the soleus muscle, which is another part of the calf complex. Mm -hmm. So the meaty part is the gastrocnemius, and then the meaty, sorry, underneath that is the soleus. So once you bend the knee, you're kind of targeting that part. And that's the bridge between the big meaty calf muscle and then the Achilles down below it. So you have that those three kind of parts to the full calf, if you will. So I do think, again, uh, good people should be targeting all these things. And so coming back to the whole big picture of it all, like I, I, I just want to double down on the fact that A, this is the way they're doing it. And this is where I, I, I wish that they, we could find a way to, there's an observational way to do the research here, right? Uh, there's epidemiology, where again, like if we're looking at, you know, the, the health of the United States and we're like, hey, why are obesity rates in the entire country going up? We can look at that whole thing and start to put pieces together of like, well, there's been a big focus on, you know, in the 90s, there was a low fat craze and and you know things changed in these ways, and diabetes went up, and all this stuff. So the same way here is 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 when we're looking at this huge thing, it's very difficult to study uh, this huge moving target. And if ultimately, you know, ninety six percent of people doing this program are getting better and and avoiding surgeries, and we have all these things, uh, but I just don't know that that's the stat. A, yeah, I really doubt it. <laughs> it could be. Who knows? Who knows? But to do the to do the research and to set this stuff up is going to take a long time. It's very expensive. It's very difficult to um, again put all those pieces together. And how are we saying like how much range of motion am I targeting on my you know deep flexion, deep squat? Um, you know, at what point am I getting to? What's my outcome measure? All these different things. The research is very difficult. Um, so again, I'm I'm happy and I'm excited that. Uh, the, these things are getting put out there, but I just wish that we can get more data outside of, again, the, the sexy marketing of it all and, and just sh sharing and highlighting the success stories. Because we see a lot of that same stuff with like Weight Watchers, which now has to be WW because uh, they are no longer focusing on weight. They don't want to shame fat shame people or focus on the weight, which I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to make of all that. But, but the point is... Uh, it's a different podcast. It's a very different <laughs> podcast. Um, but the point is, with, with, with all that, is, is again, coming back to, to knees over toes guy, is, again, when we're looking at the, the, the entirety of that thing, like, there's definitely a lot of good to take out of it. Um, and, again, I'm, I'm excited. I still don't – I'm still not sold on tibialis raises. How do you, how do you feel like – I like them. I like them. And I'll tell you why. I like them pretty much just to develop squat depth. Um, 
I think a lot of people struggle with the um, deflection at the ankle uh, or dorsiflexion at the foot. And like from coming from an Olympic lifting background, I'm fortunate that I've been training overhead squats and snatches for a very long time. My deep squat is pretty strong. So I actually feel like my tibialis is pretty strong just from being able to push my knee into that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been working on that range of motion for like over a decade. So, mm-hmm. um, so my tibialis is pretty good. So when I, you know, he, he, they have these standards of, for these movements and I'm going to put a little asterisk next to that. And that's, and this is also, this is information that's hard to find on their YouTube information for like a layman who doesn't really know what a lot of these terms are. Uh, it's hard to find, um, but <clears throat> sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but I like, I like the tibialis raise because it helps you push your shin forward, right? Yeah. Shin forward helps you get deeper squat and that's valuable as an Olympic lifter, deeper you can squat, more you can lift. Um, it's also something that, you know, even if you aren't trying to do a snatch, you just want to do a squat. You know, if your shin can move forward more, you're going to have a better range of motion there. Um, I think that it's a very specific way of training that muscle. And I know of several athletes of mine who just don't have the mind muscle connection to activate that. And at a bare minimum, they're warming that up. Yeah. And I think that when I want to say it was Marcus Philly who had Ben Patrick on his podcast and they were talking about that, um, that that tibialis, it's a really good warm up movement for squatting. Uh, it just gets that, that shin moving in the direction you want it to, especially if you have stubborn mobility. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do like that. And I like that they give you a way to target, like I, like how many people have ever even heard of the tibialis raise well, before I, this? The one thing I'll say that that's interesting to me, and again, a lot, similar to Cro- CrossFit didn't like come up with overhead squats and things like that. They just maybe brought it way into the mainstream mm-hmm. to some extent. So the same thing here, like back to, again, I, we were talking about my, my background of you know, all the way back to high school football, uh, we used to always warm up with heel walks. And mm-hmm. what are you doing on a heel walk? You're activating that tibialis anterior. Yeah. Um, so I think everyone's familiar with it, but nobody thinks to do, you know, a thousand reps a week right. uh, in terms of building volume and right. control and maybe that mind-muscle connection. But again, as an overall athlete, you should be aware of all these muscles. I think track coaches especially are very familiar with these. Um, again, a guy like Mike Boyle, who's very critical of like a two-legged squat, which is a very interesting side conversation he's saying it's not very transferable to most sports because you're not going into a full depth squat unless you're olympic weightlifting um and so he talks about a lot of splits split legged squats and getting stronger on one leg and you don't have to go into a deep range of motion because again in most sports you do not uh go very deep into it so so he's a very and he's one of the top strength and conditioning coaches that we've ever had in, in, in the game so um but he's talked about you know some of these concepts and again at the end of the day if you're getting good at these, and this is where CrossFit talks about it too, is like if you're getting good at these bigger motions, um, again, let's take the overhead squat, for example. A lot of people come into CrossFit and struggle with the overhead squat because it usually shoulder mobility, maybe ankle mobility. Those are the two things that are usually limiting that. And so CrossFit's concept is do more of these things. You shouldn't need to do a lot of, and if you follow the program, you're going to get better overall. You're going to start to minimize limitations especially if you're scaling appropriately and again i get really frustrated when i've been in, in over you know probably over 100 crossfit gyms in the in the, in the world uh, as i traveled around the world and, and explored these things myself and i've seen people who again they're not allowing 
full depth squats and they're allowing bad technique and that's when we see the bad name and the injuries happen and that's where again my concern is and i think uh, again coming back to knees over toes is is they do a pretty good job of being like hey we know a lot of people are doing this thing wrong uh and so here's some fixes for that but it's still going to be impossible to police the whole thing so again crossfit is something i still like believe in on the face of it but it gets done wrong knees over toes is something that i think has a lot of merit Again, sleds are freaking awesome. Um, we can argue about the the side uh, side bend. Uh, you know, I don't have you done that one. You play uh, with that? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I I don't really like that one a ton. I don't really know the. I, I don't see the value in it for myself as an athlete. Um, I, I I think there's definitely lots of value to training obliques and training quadratus lots, lots of different ranges of motion. Um, but I, I think that's not the only way to train that. Right. Um, and so, like, if you have concerns about that movement, mm -hmm. that would be something that I would want to know about yeah. because I don't know anything about that. Right, right, right. Um, and, and I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are just going to trust that, they, hey, this is fine because this coach who is in a position of authority has told right. me that this exercise is correct and I'm going to follow my coach's words because right. I trust him. Um, and they're paying for the their program, and again, it's, it's yeah. the thing we're talking about in the demand better thing is, is confidence. And so again, like they're coming at it like we know what we're talking about. We've had this many successes, and it's that confidence. And I and this we talked about the Dunning Kruger curve. Are you familiar with the Dunning Kruger curve? So it's uh, something that came up much more in the la you know during during the Trump presidency and, and the way COVID started talking about it. Misinformation is when somebody has a little bit of information about a topic. They're still pretty freaking ignorant about it, but they like know one thing. Their confidence is through the roof. Yeah. Okay. And they're That's able to, yeah. And sense. then the more you learn, the more your confidence should be going down. <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness, there's like so many aspects to this concept that I just don't know. Yeah. And, and then the, the further you are towards being an expert, you never even get to the confidence level of that initial we're going to use the term ignorant. That's not a derogatory term. It's just somebody who doesn't know a lot about the thing. The more you learn about the thing, you start to build more knowledge. I've been studying the human body since again, at least let's, let's, I got my doctor in 2008. So however many, however you want to measure it, but I've been studying for a long time. I spent over half a million dollars in, in this thing. Um, I would still say as much as I know, I know that I don't know enough about it. The more I learn, the more <laughs> I learn I, how, much, how little, how I little I know. Exactly. So, and there's a confidence gap between, the people who know the most, who actually truly know the most, and are the expert, the actual experts, not someone on Instagram was like, I'm a movement expert um, or a nutrition expert. And then and then the, there's a confidence gap from, from them, and it's lower than the people who are like, I know a thing, and I tried keto, and it worked for me, and I'm a 25-year-old person who's like got a six-pack, so I know more than you. And again, I don't want to pick on any one thing and be too bitter or come across too whiny as, as I've been accused of times before i'm just i'm becoming the bitter old man hey man that, you gotta own that that's a fun, that's a fun <laughs> place to be being bitter. get off my lawn get out of here kids um anyway we, we we drifted a little bit we're gonna bring it back to uh knees over toes guys so i think like for me like what i've learned from this guy is that um he, he's he's done a pretty good job of finding movements that target each joint both sides of it full ranges of motion in each one I think the, the disconnect is we need to find, like, you, you can't prescribe that to people without knowing their, their injuries uh -huh. and like, things like that. And, and so a lot like, of people who are finding these programs are people who have a meniscus tear or who have, like, 
either facing knee surgery or recovering from a knee surgery. So there's a lot more going on there. And again, I don't know that they're, they're kind of the way my, my take on it. And you can, you know, tell me if I'm wrong or not is they're saying like, no matter what your knee injury is, like, this is going to help you. And, and there's some truth to that. Like some of the things, and again, that's where it's understanding the scale. But if you have a diagnosed ACL tear, I have an MCL injury. Um, I don't think I should be doing a lot of this stuff yeah. right now. Like there's a lot of differences in paths and maybe after this heals and the tissue is like ready for it, that's when we can move into bigger, better stuff. Then you're going to see a lot of people who maybe don't have the best insurance, maybe don't have mm. the budget for something like. And, what, and what's the price point? Is like is like 50, 50 bucks, bucks a month. The first month is twenty five, from what I remember. Yeah, so very very affordable. Um, and it's another thing I found that somebody who's selling my services at a higher price point is like. I understand why people are like, hey, like you charge four times as much right. and like, why wouldn't I just do this I thing? Just go get the same result from here. But like, right. they don't understand that like, that's not a physical therapist right. that you're working with. Like you're a physical therapist. You're able to prescribe very specific movements to treat, to treat very specific problems. Right. Uh, whereas I do think that for a healthy individual who maybe just doesn't have good range of motion, like how many of those right. do we see in CrossFit? Right. All of them. Um, so, well, I take that back. Not no, all. I, sorry. <laughs> people who have good range of motion, and you guys do your mobility and you work on that. I apologize to you. Talking about the folks that you need uh, to. A pretty significant that. percentage of folks. Room for improvement. Let's yeah. Just put it and that then way. we also there's also um, a ton of folks that I would say who who are know they want to get in shape, and especially after COVID, we saw a lot of, of deteriorating health and deteriorating fitness. And a common thing we hear. When people talk about CrossFit, is like I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to get in shape before I start CrossFit. Dude, I hate that. Man. <laughs> oh my god, just show up, bro. That's all you gotta do. And and that's where again, there's a disconnect of like this is a program designed to help you get in shape and get more fit from wherever you're starting. And again, we have the examples of grandma or grandpa or you know just somebody sedentary, somebody who's not in very good shape. And and we have all these examples. And again, CrossFit's uh, you know got tons of. Uh, success stories of, of uh, people who reverse their diabetes just by staying consistent with, with uh, you know, uh, physical activity, maybe including some kind of a meal plan that CrossFit talks about. And, and their whole 100 words of fitness uh, or fitness in 100 words starts with the nutrition part. It yeah, says, it's the base of the pyramid. And a lot of people forget yeah, that part. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we're, we're going a little off topic. Let's let's finish up with knees over toes. But but yeah, I think we have it sounds like we have a lot of similar concerns thoughts. I think the biggest one is just scope of practice and making sure that you're not giving misinformation to people who wouldn't know to look further into that. Like if you're an average bear, you just want to get more fit. You're not even, you might not even know the term scope of practice, right? Like, like maybe you do, sure. But <clears throat> like it would be easy. It'd be really easy to see this as a short term solution to a very difficult problem. And to, to maybe go through this as a route that would potentially cause some injury. Um, I think it's important for healthcare practitioners to, 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 maybe not healthcare practitioners, coaches who are excited about this program and excited about the things that it could potentially do to a healthy individual. Um, it, it's their responsibility to say, hey, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I've done this myself, or I've seen people do this. This is how you would scale this movement to prevent pain. Um, scaling things is important. 
explaining your scope of practice is important just to put this out there. Any of the clients that I've worked with, that's the first thing I tell them is like, hey, this is a new program. I did it myself. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I'd like to see you try some of this, but I'm not a doctor and you need to be very careful about doing things that can potentially get you hurt. I'm going to be paying attention to you, but just know this is outside of my scope of practice to correct an injury. Like I'm a coach. I can't do that. I can do my best to work around it. But my scope of practice does not allow me to treat your meniscus tear. Right. Right. And, um, and I think that that's something that maybe should be a little bit more apparent on their YouTube channel, right. um, maybe in some of their marketing stuff. Um, and I think that there's a middle ground between what the ATG guy does, the mentor guy, Keegan Smith, and Ben Patrick. What Ben Patrick does is he does great marketing. What Keegan Smith does really good is he does a lot of explaining the science. Yeah, I think there's a middle ground between the two. And I think that both both types of teachers don't really appeal to everybody because right. you're not really learning much from the marketing right and you're not really getting excited from the science sure <laughs> so yeah if you can find a middle ground there that appeals to everyone and also uh, like reinforces scope of practice mm. i think that's probably where we find the sweet spot of how to apply this to the masses right and, and for anyone uh I, I haven't heard it as much recently but back back i think when we were growing up you'd see a commercial and it would say, check with your doctor before starting right, any right. new diet or exercise I don't really program. See that anywhere we don't see that as much, and, and I don't know if it's media. yeah, I don't know if it's a legal thing that people are like, well, is whatever, um, or it's not necessary. But but I think that that concept applies, and that's one reason like one of my biggest missions and passions is to assess every human I can at least once a year. Is my recommendation, just like dentists push their screening for their teeth and again teeth should be something that yeah we're getting checked it's hard you only get one set of teeth and then you're just gonna have to replace them at some point same thing about our knees our shoulders so if you have aches and pains even if you're doing pretty well there's probably some imbalances there's probably some things that lead to surgeries uh if you're gonna go skiing like i did and uh try a black which you shouldn't do if you're at my level um <laughs> on mixed terrain uh you might slip and fall and, and things like that so are there things we could be doing to assess to get screened by someone who's developed a good screening concept, um, you know, go see the musculoskeletal health expert. So an annual movement checkup, that's my big freaking, like, doesn't that make sense? I don't know, does it make sense? Shouldn't you do that before you started the, the knees over toes program? Don't you get your car checked every 6,000 miles? Don't you go take your, your dog, no matter how cute or not cute they are? um to <laughs> every dog is freaking adorable but don't you take your dog to the vet every whatever it is the six months about that is uh people are more likely to administer their dog's medication than their own mm -hmm. i know that's way off topic but no i mean it's, it's right on topic to weird, weird again I, I i i i talk about that a lot and that is kind of my point and so that's my big spiel and car salesman thing and that's one reason i'm in crossfit gyms and i'm saying like hey this is a great program but if we add this extra little layer to it, you're going to probably be able to do this for five or 10 extra years. Mm -hmm. And like, let's talk about your 30 year plan, not just what you're going to do in the open or, or whatever it is next year. And like, it's great if you PR on something, but if your back is rounding when you're doing that oversimplification, but might be leading to some problems and maybe we can start addressing that and fixing that. And let's not celebrate, you know, Oh my God, yeah, you did it. But you know, what damage did your back take in doing that? Yeah. One thing I do like uh, that I don't know if we talked too much about on this uh, podcast yet is the program that they have has 
uh, lots and lots of recovery and mobility. So mm. like every training day they have, they also have like mobility exercises and protocols for how to recover from that stuff. And I nice. feel like that is also something that is missing in a lot of programs. So they're doing a lot of things right. I think yeah. they're doing a lot of things right. I just yeah. think that there's... There's a reason they've grown as, as much as they have, yeah. I think transparency might be the biggest issue with the program. Mm -hmm. and, and it would be a pretty easy thing to fix, to be honest. I'd, I'd, I'd be cool. I'd be surprised. And, and again, it's be called... Be cool to each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Athletic Truth Group. Again, I feel yeah. like by not talking about the failures, they're not... Mm -hmm. It's a lack of truth. And again, like, I, I love the message. I love what they're talking about. I love the successes. I love pushing the ideal. Um, and again, I think we could all do better at, at talking about some of the failures and things like that. And it's easy also for, for people in, in physical therapy, a lot of times they're like, oh, the patient was not compliant with the exercise I gave them. And that's why they didn't get better. Um, and that might be true sometimes, but, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's really up to us as the practitioner to find something they're excited about. And again, he's, uh, you know, Ben Patrick and this whole group has done a great job of getting something like you were talking about, getting people excited about this thing. I want to dunk a basketball. It's like I'm, a map to get where you want to go, or at least that's what it's being presented. That's what it's being presented. And again, that's the confidence and that's the Dunning-Kruger effect of like, I know too much and I can't say like, hey, if you get stronger, you're going to be 99% likely to, you know, hit all your goals. But it's like, are you ready to get strong? And how do I present that? And like the science and the nuance, and again, if you read any of these papers and the scientific consensus uh, is boring, like you're saying, and it, it's it's uh, the other fellow, the mentor, um, what was the name? Uh, Keegan Smith. Keegan Smith. So Keegan Smith, again, is, is, I was listening to some of this stuff, and again, even I get bored by it, but I'm excited by it. I love talking about tendon stuff, and I'm like, well, he's making that claim, and I'm like, and you know, he even has links and articles and things like that, so we can go deep into it, but it's still, it's still that, like, disconnect of what works, I just want to know what works, how much do I pay for what works, the fact that you're only paying 50 bucks a month and it's $25, like, like that seems... Too good to be true. Very low. Um, right. So, so you know, there's some level of you get what you pay for, but it's also the, the like the CrossFit model. Look, CrossFit breaks a lot of people too. Like the, the studies that have been done show it's about equivalent to most other sports. People playing recreational basketball have about a 20% injury rate. People doing CrossFit four times a week have about a 20% injury rate based on the research that has actually been done, the studies that have actually been conducted. Um, what's the, the, you know, knees over toes injury rate or, or success rate? Well, we might never know. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and I'm just going to throw this out there running for all you runners out there has about a 90 something percent injury rate. Um, so you know, statistically, lose weight, go run. And it's so easy. <laughs> and again, it's hard to argue these concepts of like, again, you want to start getting healthy, you go run, you're doing Peloton now. Peloton has its own problems so again it's but it's it's, it's yeah, trying to poor gates that you see on a bike <laughs> um yeah we can certainly go down that rabbit hole but again i'm all for you know at the end of the day if you're on the couch and you're gonna go do zumba and i think zumba is not the best thing ever and it's incomplete like it's still better than being on the couch and you're Absolutely. moving and you're motivated and it keeps you going like yeah. great you know and now we're seeing pickleball there's uh, it's a big emerging thing we have pickleball courts right uh stones throw away from here um, tons of people out there. I bet there's at least 20 people over there right now. And now we're seeing all sorts of injuries from pickleball that we didn't see in tennis, which is funny in some capacity because it's it, it, the reason it's become so popular is because it's a, it's a lot more accessible. You can be good at it. You can, it, it's, tennis is hard to say that I have no idea what pickleball is. What okay. So, <laughs> and for anyone else who doesn't know, sorry for diving into that. Basically what they did was 
they took a tennis, the concept of tennis, and or paddleboard, um, you know, where you could hit, hit off the wall, or and or what's the other one? You, I don't even remember. What's the one indoors? Racquetball. Racquetball. Um, and they basically just shrunk, and I'll, I can show you when, when we come out here. Okay. Uh, they shrunk the court. I think it's like a third the size of a tennis court. So okay. there's, there's like eight of them, or six of them, or eight of them right there, which normally would be like two courts, basically. Okay. Um, and so because it's small, you don't have to run around a lot. You don't have to go chasing balls and get frustrated by the complexity. You don't have to do big serves where you like have to figure out a forehand and a backhand and everything like that. So it's a very, like, you can, you can barely move. But again, at the same time, you're like incorporating some movement. You're getting outside. It's great. I love it. But now we're going to see new injuries happening from that in the physical therapy space, especially. But uh, so pickleball is just, I don't know why it's called pickleball either. Um, but funny <laughs> sounding name. I guess. I, I don't know pickle. I, I should look that up. But, um, but yeah, basically. And the other, the other very uh, the emerging sport is disc golf. Oh, yeah. Where you throw frisbees cool. at uh, like a little target. And yeah. so that, and we have both of those. Right here in our backyard. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. That's that's the whole reason I was bringing up pickleball, though. Is again, it's 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 great to get moving um, off of doing nothing. Um, and if there's more ways we can get you moving, but it's also an incomplete picture of fitness, yeah. which is where again, physical therapists have done a terrible job of marketing the fact that like we should be your first go-to because we know, and we, and again, and a lot of physical therapists might not even have the tools in terms of, do we have a system in place that I've been putting together that's combining SFMA, FMS, you know, NSEA, all the CSEA, all these different CrossFit methodology and, and FRC, which is one, one other one I want to talk about real quick, functional range conditioning. Are you familiar with that? You probably know the, the concept. Uh, sounds, sounds like something I would So some of the stuff I've, I've had backs doing, um, so you yeah. do cars, controlled articular rotations, so you're moving a joint through its full range of motion. So you're going to deflection, and now you're going into rotation and extension. You want to be able to control that joint through that full range of motion. If you have a limitation into extension, I don't know if I can even do this. Uh, if I'm here, oh, here, if I'm here, and I'm this is my limitation. Now I need to lift off and control and have strength at that end range of motion. So it actually ties very much into the knees over toes type of concepts where you're training through the end range of motion and uh, it's, but it's, it's complex and it's not as sexy and it's not sold as well. And FRC, it's going through like all these, like we want to have a practitioner and I want to teach you how to teach FRC. And now you need to go and get people excited about these 90, 90 things. And, and you know, this very slow controlled thing. And it doesn't show people dunking basketballs and like hitting baseballs or whatever and, and pickleballing to death. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, but FRC is something very much that ties into this. It's something I really like incorporating. And, and again, I, I don't put everything in somebody's face, whether they're a client or whatever. I just say, hey, we're trying to get your shoulder to move better. So we want the scap to do its four motions that it can do. Or we want the ankle to do its four motions, which is gonna be like a little, Sock is up in there, so it's going to do its its plantar flexion, inversion, dorsiflexion, and then eversion. That's hard. So you're trying to get as good of control of that whole 360 theoretical degrees. So that that's FRC, and again, that's where I think there's a lot of interesting overlaps of what we're seeing emerge. Uh, again, to Greg Glassman's point, he talked about um, kind of a libertarian concept of we're going to see the cream rise to the top. So the fact that you know that this program is rising pretty well. And again, there's plenty of things that have risen and, and fallen. So if we see it over the years, stay at the top. 
um, we, you know, we'll, we'll know there's something there um, for sure. And again, I think there is a lot of great stuff there and it's just going to be a question of how well they keep the stuff together. So anyway, we're going to wrap it up unless right. you have any closing thoughts. Um, yeah, sure. I, uh, <laughs> I do think that uh, there's probably like, I think the, the way that we all move forward in the industry is we just keep working together um, and we start with, as you said, maybe it starts with an assessment, right? Like maybe it's yeah. knees over toes but it's bow first and then knees over right. toes or, you know, some sort of, you know, if you, we want to keep it this really low price point and we want to do it online, maybe there's some way of doing a virtual assessment of some kind. Mm -hmm. And then that evolves into, okay, now we're going to run this program through the true coach app. And then that evolves into, okay, Hey, let's maybe try to do this in person with a coach who knows how to do this stuff who knows how to scale, who understands movement. Um, and then, you know, we, we like, we, we do the studies, we do the, the research, we get the case studies, we, we respect the science and the process of doing things right, as opposed to this is shiny, I'm gonna go do this because I think it's gonna be cool, which I think there's a lot of validity to doing stuff for fun too. Like it doesn't have to be just, you know, like the, I think that most people who do CrossFit are probably not doing CrossFit because they like the science behind it. Right. They like it because it feels fun. Yeah. It's cool. And again, again, that was the Glassman concept of like, you know, men will die for their name on the board and for those extra points and for me to do one more rep. That can do. Um, so, yeah, so, so there's that competitive nature to the whole thing. Um, and, and that's fascinating. And yeah, believe, if you want to win, don't get hurt, bro. <laughs> and, and, and that's another huge takeaway I want to leave people with is, is the best program is the one you can stay consistent with and the one you don't get injured on. And then, you know, 10 years of lifting some heavy stuff uh, with relative, you know, co good concepts uh, is going to do a lot more for you than any one program will ever do. Um, I think, again, Dan John is probably one of the most, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the best. And, and he, again, and to, 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 we touched on, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole since we're wrapping up, but uh, instead of the side bend, uh, carries. He, he's one of the biggest yeah, components of carries. Awesome. My thing with Paula Quinn talked about carries a ton too. Um, and, and so it's interesting uh, to, to put all those pieces together and say like, yeah, uh, again, Dan John is somebody I, I would defer to way before uh, a Ben Patrick, who's a very young guy, who's very, you know, and, and, and his training is his own experience. And again, that's one of the things we're talking about in that research stuff is expert opinion, which, and, and it's more than that. And I want to be a little the whole thing by saying he's just an expert and he's not even an expert uh, on the Joe Rogan thing. Well, however you feel about Joe Rogan, when I listen to that, you know, Joe and him were talking about how often he, uh, Joe should be doing sled pulls. And Joe's like, I do those once a week. Is that enough? Deferring to Ben as the expert of sled pulls. And Ben's like, well, and you could hear he was a little like, I'm not really an expert, but he didn't say that, but he's like, I do them every single day. And again, he defers to his experience, which is not My science. Sense, yeah. It's not the, you know, but again, there's, there's value there. There's validity. That's why we're talking about it. So hopefully again, guys, we, we, we threw, we, we got you thinking, we got you 1% better just from the conversation. Again, you, you said it in your kind of closing thoughts there of like science and the way we progress with all this is moving the conversation, having the conversation and being respectful and saying, what can we take out of this? Where can we improve? I think that's, that's how we're going to get better. Um, and again, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for, for the future. I'm excited for, you know, continuing to push my assessments, um, you know, one way or the other. And, and I think again, that is 
why I do what I do. Uh, and that's what the part I can play in all this is saying like, hey, yeah, you're doing really good. We have another guy at the gym actually who's doing a lot of the methods. He's doing the Marcus Billy, uh, what is it just a little look functional good, bodybuilding. Functional bodybuilding. Yeah. Uh, but one of their slogans is like look good naked. Yeah. Um, but he's doing that program. I mean, he didn't come up with that, bro. Come on. We I know. That. I You're going to do a look good I, naked I, in CrossFit? <laughs> bro, for sure. For sure. Um, but, 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 uh, this guy at the gym is doing that program and is he somebody I assess for some knee pain? And I talked to him, I looked at him, I was like, yeah, I think most of the stuff is pretty balanced. And this is exactly the example we're saying. And, and he asked me too, he came up and he's like, Hey, I'm doing all this like knees over toe stuff, the Marcus Philly stuff. He's like, do you think there's any validity to the fact that like I'm strengthening my ligaments and tendons by going into these deeper ranges of motion? And I'm like, Sort of <laughs> like the science, and again, that's where we can talk to. Sort of, yeah. So, in terms of the science, I think it's somebody who is—he's a firefighter, and he's—he's he's, uh, very, you know, he's a smart dude. And but he's like, yeah, is there some validity to this? I'm like, I don't think he needs to hear, you know, the full explanation of uh, this is all the physiology and this is how tendons actually respond and blah, blah, blah. And this is how we load it and unload it and recover it and, and all this. But again, I think it's moving everything in, in a positive direction. Um, I think when I have that conversation with, with our firefighter, like, uh, we can, we can do it in a very positive way and say like, yeah, like what you're doing is great. I would love to see you add in X and maybe that one exercise, like, I don't know that that you should be doing that or whatever it is. So, yeah, there, I think there's going to be constant ways we can improve these programs, concepts, and have those conversations. And again, I'd love, uh, you know, uh, I told Selen Spence before we went on, uh, Ben Patrick's account with over 1 million followers did respond when I tagged them. Um, and we had a little bit of a conversation. So hopefully, he said he's a little get busy. In here. Get he, in he's a little busy to, to jump on the podcast here. But hopefully, you know, again, I think he's, he's, he's having these conversations with some big big hitters and, and again hopefully we can uh, eventually see what it's doing and over the next few years see how people respond and and how it evolves and how it grows and that's another part of the whole equation right is uh people who are willing to be flexible and evolve and change and not just be rigid on there like this is the one thing that works yeah. um i think there's a lot to that even again give crossfit a little bit of credit to oh, wrap yeah. it up is there's been a lot of changes <laughs> there's still a lot of stuff that we want to see change i think i mean they were the guys that like broke the mold at the very beginning, you know, that 10 years ago or whatever, whenever that's really started to explode. And Around 2008, 9, And they're still evolving, you know, the level one looks different now. Than yeah, it did 100%. So, so hopefully we just can keep that, that momentum and evolve. Yep. So we just had an hour. Uh, thank you again for coming out, Spence, to the, the garage, the Stay yeah. Salty garage back there <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up guys hope you got great on the bench let's do some split squats yeah. don't forget to subscribe share like comment rate review all that good stuff to help the channel grow reach more people and if you want to join the conversation leave a comment rating review reach out to spence anywhere they can contact you spence uh my instagram is my first and last name spence kemp it is very original <laughs> Hit them up, guys. I'll put it in the show notes. We'll talk soon. Have an awesome, happy, healthy day. 